you've tuned in to Vita Food Stories, the podcast that explores the innovations, influences, and breakthroughs defining the future of health and nutrition. With Fran Schoenwetter, Content Marketing Director. Hello, and welcome to Vita Foods Digital Week. Today's podcast subject is Quercifit, Quercetin Phytosome, Unlocking Quercetin's Benefits in Respiratory Health. Our podcast is brought to you today by Indina. I'm Francine Schoenwetter, Informa Markets Director of Content Marketing. Joining us today for our podcast is Elisabetta Frattini, Senior Research and Development Formulation Scientist. Elisabetta is in charge of scientific communication and cooperation with R&D and marketing functions with Indina SPA. Before we begin, just a little bit more about the subject today. Although quercetin flavanol remains a highly studied botanical polyphenol with documented benefits and active properties as an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and immune modulator, among other benefits, it's also understood to naturally have poor bioavailability. And our podcast today will dig deeper into quercetin's main biological properties, including latest evidences of its potential antiviral activity and how quercifit can optimize bioavailability and unlock benefits, beneficial effects in respiratory health. And with that, we'll begin. So my first question for you, Elisabetta, and welcome today. Hi, Ferna. Thank you very much for the introduction. You're welcome. Uh, my first question for you, I, I'd like it. I'd like you to tell us a little bit more about the activity and properties of quercetin flavanol itself, and what makes it so useful for respiratory health. Yeah, sure. So, Fern, you're absolutely right. Uh, quercetin is a very interesting flavonoid and polyphenol, and nowadays it's supported by an extensive scientific literature which clearly demonstrates uh, its multiple biological activities. Just to give you an idea, quercetin uh, was proven to modulate a lot of crucial cellular pathways which are involved in many, many unhealth conditions. You mentioned already some of those properties, and we can include, for example, antioxidant activity, anti-inflammatory activity, and immune modulator activity. So it's a very unique pattern of very useful properties. Uh, And uh, if we want to have a look a little bit deeper into these properties, uh, we can start with the antioxidant power of quercetin. Quercetin is a very powerful antioxidant because it's able to directly inactivate, for example, free radicals. And this is is due to the chemical structure of quercetin itself. At the same time, it is able to inhibit the lipid peroxidation, which is basically the process by which free radicals can attack lipids uh, containing cellular membranes. So basically blocking this process, you are able to block the oxidative cascade from uh, the very beginning. Or again, at the same time, quercetin is able to inhibit some enzymes which are directly involved in uh, synthesis and production of free radicals, like for example, NO synthase. Uh, Well, on the other side, if we want to talk about uh, anti-inflammatory activity, again, we can mention a lot of cellular pathways which are uh, properly modulated by quercetin. Quercetin is able to reduce the activation and the synthesis of uh, 
very crucial players which are involved in inflammatory process. Uh, like an example, we can mention uh, NFKB, transcription factor, or some very well-known uh, pro-inflammatory enzymes like cyclooxygenase or lipoxygenase, which are involved in the conversion of arachidonic acid into its metabolites. And quercetin is able to stop, to modulate the synthesis of pro-inflammatory uh, cytokines, like, for example, TNF-alpha. So it's a very, again, also in case of the inflammatory response, inflammatory response is a very complex pattern of cellular pathways which are modulated. Of course, the uh, modulation of inflammatory pathways is very much related to the immune modulator activity of quercetin, uh, which is able to decrease uh, enzymes, cytokines, or interleukins, for example. But additionally, quercetin is also able to uh, stimulate directly some immune cells, like, for example, lymphocytes, or to stimulate the release of interferon gamma, which plays a crucial role for the immune response. Um, just to mention another mechanism of action, we can say that quercetin is able to stabilize cell membranes, preventing, for example, the release of histamine, which is absolutely involved in uh, allergic reactions together with antibody IgE, for example. And uh, this is very interesting because uh, if we think of lung diseases, first of all, they represent a global issue nowadays. And not only because of the uh, COVID-19 scenario that we are facing, but also because lung diseases are one of the main responsible for worldwide deaths, according to WHO. And if we think of lung diseases, uh, um, we have to mention a great variety of conditions that go from asthma to low respiratory infections. And many, many of these conditions are based on unhealthy oxidative and inflammatory response that, of course, involve also the immune system reaction. Uh, so if we take this into consideration, we can really understand why an ingredient like quercetin, uh, which is able to combine antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and immune modulator activity, uh, can be very, very useful to maintain a good respiratory health. And additionally, I would say that this is even more true if we think that quercetin um, was recently proven to have a very promising antiviral activity, which is, of course, uh, very interesting and important for respiratory health. Well, you know, I've been familiar with uh, quercetin as an ingredient for many, many, many years and uh, certainly understood its uh, effects on mast cells and histamine, I was not aware of all the diverse biopathways that that it can follow and support from a health condition perspective. Um, it's That's pretty interesting for, for certain that you just mentioned the antiviral evidences. Can you uh, elaborate a little bit more on what you're seeing on the scientific side there? Yeah, sure, with pleasure. 
so what happens many times in uh, respiratory viral infection, and unfortunately we can get a clear example from the current COVID-19, is that those uh, infections are characterized by abnormal immune and inflammatory responses. So basically at the beginning you have a first phase uh, after a kind of incubation period uh, when the invading virus causes uh, uh, like non-severe symptoms and induces uh, the protective immune response. So at this stage, uh, this very uh, initial phase, uh, is very, very important to have a healthy immune system, which is, of course, useful to stimulate the adaptive immune response and to eliminate the virus in order to prevent the disease from the progression to severe stages. So at the very beginning, you need a very strong health and healthy immune system. But uh, you can have later a second phase when the immune system and immune response is impaired. Uh, then in that case, the virus will propagate. And basically, you can have a very strong innate inflammation that can go up to the so-called cytokine storms, for example, when basically you have a dramatic release of pro-inflammatory cytokines uh, into the tissue that in this way are severely damaged uh, you can go until a respiratory failure, unfortunately. So in this second phase, you really need to modulate inflammation to reduce this abnormal inflammatory reaction. So it, this means that in virus infections, you need to modulate inflammation on one side and immune response on the other side. So if we think of quercetin, we can really understand why its uh, uh, pro properties, uh, uh, its capacity to have an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory and immune modulator activity is already very useful itself to maintain a respiratory health uh, um, system against viral infections. So, so to have a kind of protection that can be very useful against viral infections. But in addition to this, I would like to say that quercetin was shown to have very promising in vitro activities against the multiple viral targets. For example, in the last few years, uh, quercetin has been tested against uh, dengue virus, uh, hepatitis C, influenza A, or even SARS coronavirus. So it was already tested in the last few years against a lot of different targets. And basing on these very interesting results, uh, quercetin was recently tested also against the COVID-19, just to give you an idea on how quercetin can be promising as antiviral agent. Uh, in the last few weeks, uh, some papers have been published on computational docking studies, which clearly demonstrates uh, that uh, quercetin is a top scoring ligand, which is able to bind some crucial targets. Uh, Fern, I can mention for you a couple of COVID-19 uh, targets that have been tested in this publication, as, and one of them is uh, the viral protease enzyme, which is crucial for viral replication, uh, but quercetin revealed to be able to bind also to a spike protein, viral spike protein, which is involved in virus recognition 
and bind to the host cells. So if you put together the antioxidant, the anti-inflammatory, the immune modulator, and the antiviral activity, you can really understand why uh, quercetin is a truly promising antiviral agent that really worth to be further investigated. So uh, you just enumerated quite a few different uh, study environments. Are those all in vitro studies? Yes, at the moment they are all in vitro, uh, but I can tell you that some human clinical studies are under under evaluation uh, uh, using quercetin on COVID-19 patients. And this is because it was so promising in uh, computational and in vitro tests that uh, uh, scientists uh, are evaluating the chance to test the quercetin also in uh, COVID-19 patients, so in human clinical studies. So that brings us to uh, quercetin's activity and its bioavailability. I mean, quercetin does exist naturally in many different fruits and vegetables. Of course, you don't don't consume it in therapeutic doses in that way. Um, When you're looking at an in vitro study, perhaps we're not uh, having to address the same kind of metabolic bioavailability concerns when a person, a human, is consuming that. So I'd love it if you could just elaborate a little bit about uh, quercetin's challenge with bioavailability. Again, it's that's pretty renowned. Most people know about that that are engaged in the supplement environment. Um, so if you could just elaborate on what particularly about quercetin makes it more challenging uh, from a bioavailability standpoint and what strategies exist for unlocking all of these benefits within the human body? Yeah, uh... Uh, we have seen that quercetin is characterized by a unique pattern of uh, multiple activities, but unfortunately, as you said, it's characterized by a very poor oral bioavailability. So if you use basically natural quercetin or um, traditional dietary supplements, you need to use very high dosages of quercetin to uh, have interesting, uh, let's say, plasmatic levels that can be useful for, uh, let's say, health benefits. And the reasons for this poor oral absorption of quercetin are many. It's very poorly uh, water-soluble. It's very poorly uh, able to pass uh, lipidic membranes. It has a very intense uh, metabolism. So there are a lot of factors that unfortunately limit uh, quercetin by absorption. Uh, So for this reason, uh, many, many formulations have been launched on the market to improve quercetin bioavailability. But uh, let me tell you that you need to pay attention to these formulations because an health food ingredient has to be, first of all, uh, scientifically based, uh, which means that you need to have a clear demonstration and scientific demonstration, I would say, of the improvement of bioavailability, which is claimed. So in my mind, this means that you need to have a pharmacokinetic study in humans to demonstrate the improvement of bioavailability. And then you need to have human studies supporting the health uh, benefits of your uh, of your ingredient. Uh, and then your formulation, your bioavailable formulation or bioavailable ingredient needs to be safe and compliant to food regulations. 
because uh, uh, I saw on the market a lot of formulations with claimed improved bioavailability, but sometimes they contain food additives or excipients that are not very compliant with the health food regulations, or they are based on, uh, uh, let's say, technology like, for example, uh, nanotechnology or nanoparticles, or they use uh, uh, not very safe food additives. So you need to pay a lot of attention to the scientific background of the ingredient and uh, formulation, which has to be safe and 100% health food. So Indina has really developed the phytosomal the phytosomal technology for improved bioavailability of, of multiple molecules, different types of ingredients. And uh, where we're speaking specifically today about quercifit, it's uh, the phytosomal technology has been applied to quercetin. Can you talk to us a little bit more about, uh, about how that technology works and uh, really how it works advantageously then in the body? Yeah, sure. So basically, the phytosome technology was pioneered, invented, I would say, and patented by Indina uh, 15, 20 years back. And uh, we took inspiration, let's say, uh, from nature in uh, uh, trying to formulate natural ingredients to improve their oral bioavailability. Uh, a phytosome can be described as a solid dispersion where botanicals or general uh, natural ingredients can be formulated and dispersed into a lecithin-based matrix. Uh, lecithins are natural emulsifiers. They are amphipathic molecules that can really prevent natural molecules from the self-aggregation. So in this way, they can improve the solubility of natural molecules and botanicals in uh, gastrointestinal fluids. In this way, you can improve the bioavailability. And with no lecithin, they are food-grade emulsifiers, so completely safe from, uh, let's say, safety and regulatory point of view. So basically, the three main players of a phytosome are the natural ingredient, of course, lecithins, and then you can have some food additives which are used only for technological reasons, so to improve density and flowability of the final powder or the final uh, ingredient. So basically, we can describe a phytosome as a kind of turnkey ingredient, uh, which uh, as a clear improved oral bioavailability, which is a scientifically based, because the improvement of bioavailability is not only uh, a theoretical idea, we demonstrate the improvement of bioabsorption thanks to pharmacokinetic studies in uh, humans. And we support the health benefits of our phytosome with uh, human studies in individuals to demonstrate scientifically the health benefits of of, uh, of the phytosome and the ingredient. And they are absolutely compliant with main food regulations. Can you talk to us more about the quercifit phytosomal quercetin and, and its clinical studies? And um, also specifically from a, that clinical point of view, are there specific health concerns that have been addressed? 
Yeah, uh, so you mentioned quercetin. Quercetin is the phytosome formulation of quercetin that we developed to improve the oral bioavailability, of course, of quercetin in order to unlock all its health benefits. Uh, as I was telling you, talking about phytosomes in general, uh, phytosomes are not only a theoretical approach, they are scientifically based. And this uh, happened also for quercetin because Quercetin, first of all, is supported by a pharmacokinetic study in humans that was published in 2018. It was a randomized single-blind crossover study where basically we compared unformulated quercetin with two different dosages of quercetin, so with the phytosome formulation. And basically we demonstrate uh, the clear improvement of bioavailability of quercetin up to 20 times, depending on the dose, when you formulate quercetin with the phytosome formulation. So it's a clear demonstration in humans of the improvement of bioavailability thanks to the phytosome technology. And uh, talking about the clinical uh, efficacy and demonstration, we tested quercetin uh, specifically in allergy. And we ran two different clinical studies, uh, one in individuals suffering from allergic asthma and rhinitis. And the second one uh, was uh, in healthy volunteers that tested the use of quercetin uh, in case of histamine local injection. So two different approaches to evaluate the efficacy of quercetin in, uh, in allergy, in allergy positioning. And we got very, very interesting uh, results. In the first study, the one in asthma and uh, rhinitis individuals, basically we tested uh, uh, about 60 subjects suffering from asthma and rhinitis of allergic origin. And basically what we measure were a mix of subjective parameters, like for example, symptoms, and a mix of objective parameters. So breath function, oxidative stress, use of additional medications. Basically in this uh, test in these studies, we administer quercetin in addition to the standard management. And uh, results were, were very, very interesting because we demonstrated that the addition of quercetin to standard management was much more effective compared with the standard management alone. For example, uh, just to give you an idea, quercetin work beautifully as agent in giving a higher resolution of both days and nine symptoms, up to 50 and 70% respectively, which means that really individuals felt better during both night and day. And then quercetin was very successful in giving a higher improvement of breath function which was measured as a peak expiratory flow, like uh, it is commonly done in clinical activity. And again, it was successfully reducing oxidative stress because we saw a higher reduction of plasma-free radicals compared with the standard management alone. So very, very interesting results. Um, let me add that uh, we were able also to, also to reduce the necessity of additional medications. Uh, sometimes it happens that 
symptoms are not fully controlled, even with the standard management. Some people can really have some peaks of discomfort that they might cope with additional medications, such as nasal drops. Using quercetin in addition to standard medications, we could decrease the need for these nasal drops and any other additional medications. So very, very interesting uh, results. Uh, the second study that I would like to uh, mention is uh, the one in uh, healthy volunteers uh, that basically were divided into three groups. One was the control, uh, one was the control without, without treatment, and the other two groups uh, uh, basically had the administration of two different dosages of quercetin for three days. After three days, people were injected, locally injected with histamine, and we measured the local effects at the site of injection. And we could clearly see that in the quercetin groups, uh, we saw a reduction of the local symptoms related to the histamine injection. So we had, for example, a reduction of wheel area, a reduction of the redness of the area, the reduction of the time needed for the complete disappearance of the wheel. So again, a very interesting uh, pattern of results which demonstrate the capacity of quercetin to modulate the immune response. Is that also then addressing the histamine response? Uh, yes, we had a demonstration in the second clinical study that we did because we had a lower local reaction after the injection of histamine. So we could clearly see that the preventive administration of quercetin was able to modulate the histamine response. Well, it really sounds quite clear that, uh, that quercetin can play a powerful role in strategies for supporting respiratory and allergy uh, symptoms and conditions. Um, and it also sounds like there's more more to study and continued study. So with that, I'd like to just ask you if there's anything else you'd like to add to this discussion in that regard um, in terms of availability of quercetin and also uh, further studies that are, that are being uh, modeled at this time. Uh, yes, I would really like to give uh, a message that I think it's very important. Uh, and the message is that the botanical kingdom is, of course, a very precious source of ingredients which are potentially useful for human health. Uh, but the simple use of a generic nature or botanical ingredient is not enough because those ingredients need to be approached with science-based methods. Uh, for example, optimizing their bioavailability when needed, of course. Uh, they need to be supported by scientific demonstration of their health benefits that can be achieved with human studies, for example. And I really think that quercetin is a good example of how science can be applied to natural compounds to optimize their properties. And only in this way, you can, if you merge nature and science, you can be sure to use ingredients with really proven benefits for human health. This is very important. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, this is this is. Uh, fantastic information, and uh, I know that you'll have more to share in the future when we come together at our live events, and we look forward to being able to do that. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you had precious information.
Oh, thank you so much. So, Elisabetta, I really appreciate you joining us today. And I also want to thank all of our listeners for listening and being a part of VitaFood Digital Week and to Indina for making this podcast possible. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to an Informal Markets podcast brought to you by VitaFood's Digital Week.